Jones Day's series on private enforcement actions relating to antitrust matters in Europe is moving to Spain. We'll talk with Jones Day's Ramundo Ortego and Antonio Canales about why these actions have escalated in Spain during recent years, and we'll discuss the significance and impact of the truck cartel and paper envelope cartel matters. I'm Dave Dalton. You're listening to Jones Day Talks. Ramundo Ortega handles complex antitrust and regulatory matters with extensive experience in infrastructure and energy. He is currently advising on several cartel investigations, including leniency applications and damage claims before the Spanish Competition Authority and the Supreme Court. He also has extensive experience in merger regulation, including phase two transactions with remedies and abuse of dominant position investigations. And for more than 10 years, of counsel Antonio Canales has represented local and international clients on civil and commercial arbitration and litigation proceedings before the principal arbitration courts and Spanish civil and commercial courts. He is also active in administrative judicial proceedings, including liability of public administration, energy regulatory matters, planning, and antitrust infringement proceedings. Raimundo, Antonio, thanks so much for being here today. Thanks, David. Thanks, David. All right, let's go to Ramundo first. Ramundo, historically, Spain is a jurisdiction where there have not been many actions for damages for competition law infringements. Why is that? Yes, David, indeed. Spain is one of the jurisdictions in which traditionally there have not been many actions for damages for competition law infringement. Mm -hmm. And this is due to three reasons. First, the lack of effective class actions which enable consumers in particular to claim damage for anti-trans infringement. Mm -hmm. Second, the difficulty of quantifying the amount of the damage suffered. And third, the deterrent effect of the loser pays the fees principle. Explain the last one, yeah. the, the what principle? I'm sorry, Raimundo. Loser pays the fees. So the one that the claim is rejected needs to pay the fees all the other time. Gotcha. Okay. Loser pays has not made it to the United States yet, but I'm very familiar with the concept from, from various jurisdictions. Now, all that said, Ramundo, things have changed recently. Tell us about the truck cartel situation and its impact on private antitrust litigation in Spain. Yes, you're right. The situation has changed recently in the wake of the truck cartel. After the commission decision in April 2017, Spanish courts have received thousands of claims. According to the 2020 statistics, there are already more than 400 decisions handed down by the Spanish commercial courts, and the high provincial courts have already resolved more than 50 appeals. A smaller percentage of these rulings have been dismissed, either for lack of standing to sue or because the action was considered entire. However, most of the judgments, I would say around 80%, are mm-hmm. being upheld, with the buyers of trucks being deemed to be entitled to compensation because they paid an extra cost in the purchase of the trucks. However, there are differences between the courts in relation to the overprice. We find groups of judgments with a 5% overprice, others mm-hmm. at 10 and even 15 Interesting. So given this activity... You expect more cases in the future to come forward? Yes, indeed. Following the truck cartel and other cartel litigations, such as the envelope case that will be discussed later on, where damages have been indeed awarded, potential harm companies will be encouraged to go to court. That's for sure. Will be interesting to watch how this develops. Let's go over to Antonio for a moment. Antonio, talk about the EU damages directive and how Spanish law treats the prospect of retroactivity. Yeah, thank you, David. 
Spanish law provides for the non-retroactivity of the new provisions introducing the antitrust law implementing the directive on damages. Mm-hmm. The question arises as to whether the non-retroactivity applies only to those infringing conducts that have been declared unsanctioned prior to the publication of the new system in May 27, 2017, or whether it also applies to those conducts that took place prior to the entry into force of the new system, but they've not been investigated by the authority or being mm-hmm. still at the investigation stage after the new system entered into force. In our view, the debate could also be around the criteria used to determine the applicable law to claims filed after the new regulation entered into force, but refer to infringements or authority decisions mm-hmm. which took place or were rendered prior to that date. Currently, most courts are prone to determine the applicable law in terms of when the infringement took place and ceased. Therefore, claims filed after the new regulation entered into force but whose underlying infringement took place before that day would fall under the civil code and its one-year limitation period. The case law has said that this period will begin on the day of the publication of the non-confidential version of the competition authority decision. Mm -hmm. But it may also be possible to support in certain cases that this period starts well before that day. For example, when the statement of objections was issued by the competition authority, because at that time the elements were known in order to be able to file the legal action. Sounds like timing's everything in this case. Really, it's very important, very important. Back to Ramundo, talk about the types of actions being taken in Spanish courts. Are they similar to the actions brought in other European jurisdictions? Indeed, David. In line with the EU legislation, we have a standalone and follow actions in Spain. Recently, we have seen claimants trying to file what we call hybrid actions. By hybrid, I mean follow-on actions relying on an infringement decision of the Spanish Competition Authority, which has not become final. And this has been done in order to obtain faster and more favorable results. And so far, and this is important, these actions have not been fully rejected by the Spanish courts. We are also seeing some claimants trying to include the administrative file in the complaint and even trying to include the leniency application. However, this kind of behaviors will be limited by the recent reform of the Spanish competition regulation in April 2021 when implementing the ECN Plus directive. This reform has strengthened the confidentiality of leniency applications and will therefore prevent future claimants from accessing confidential documents with which to prepare private damage claims. Interesting. If you don't mind, talk more about what happened in April, just this last April, a couple months ago, April 2021, the reform. How does that impact these actions moving forward? Well, in April 2021, Spain implemented the ECN directive and, in Uh fact, was one among the first EU member states to implement. And this directive has among one of the principal or main goals to make sure that the leniency applications, which basically you may know, David, is the recognition by a party participating in a cartel that infringement has occurred in order to obtain a reduction of the fine. Well, that document must remain with the Spanish antitrust agency and therefore should not be under any circumstances to move to a court that is dealing with private actions. So basically, the Spanish reform 
is even making more difficult that leniency application to move from the Spanish agency to the courts. Interesting. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. That's great clarification. Thank you. Let's go back to Antonio and talk about quantifying damages and the use of expert reports. Now, it shouldn't surprise anybody, Antonio, that defendants and plaintiffs tend to have very different views regarding quantifying damages. Talk about how this typically works. Yeah, of course. Defendant and plaintiff have different views on this, of course. We've seen that in claims for damages for infringement of competition law in Spain, the expert report filed by claimants usually estimate the damage at around 20-25%. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, defendants tend to deny the existence of damage or in case of recognizing damage to file an expert report with a counterfactual scenario in which they make their own estimate of damage, usually pretty close to 0%. Mm-hmm. Therefore, the expert reports are of a great importance in this type of procedures. Um, we could also add some notes with regard to these reports as set out by the Supreme Court in Spain. For example, on the side of the plaintiff, we've seen that the key question in the quantification of damages for anti-competitive infringement is to determine what would have probably happened without the infringement. Mm -hmm. Indeed, some courts, like Provincial Court of Madrid, that expressly consider that the counterfactual scenario must be erased as a requirement. On the other side, with regard to the defendant, it is not sufficient that the counter-report is limited to questioning the validity of the report which is being challenged, but it must also justify a better-founded alternative quantification. The counter-report is therefore of great importance insofar as in several judgments, the defendant has been criticized for not having offered an alternative valuation criteria Mm -hmm. because the report was based solely on the premise of of the non-existence of the damage. I see. Talk about how the courts tend to view these damages a little bit more, if you would. What, what trends do you see there, Antonio? Sure. Uh, Spanish courts have recognized that there is a presumption of damage if the conduct has been qualified as anti-competitive. However, it must be taken into consideration that this presumption does not mean, of course, that damage to the plaintiff will be deemed to be proven in every case. The defendant is therefore allowed to prove otherwise. However, due to the nature of these procedures, there is a great difficulty to prove in order to quantify the damage. And it is often the judge who carries out this quantification from the material provided by the parties to the procedures. And the damage is therefore fixed in a judicial manner. In this respect, we can distinguish between different cores and criteria. For example, mm-hmm. the Provincial Court of Barcelona seems, seems to have tended to make more use of the moderating power of judges when quantifying damages. And therefore, they could accept a position which could be closer mm-hmm. to the one who is requested by the claimant. And with regard to the Provincial Court of Madrid, for example, on the other hand, mm-hmm. uh, this court has maintained a position farther away from the judicial moderation of the damage. This court, for example, considered that the damages will be fixed according to the expert report provided by all the parties. Interesting. Okay, but talk about, I, we were exchanging some notes preparing for this program. The truck cartel matter was different than what you've just described. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. 
in the famous track cartel, uh, different courts have used different criteria to quantify the extra cost that the cartel caused to the victims. In general, smaller percentages have been used than in other cartels. We've seen courts establishing general criterion of 5% cost overrun, since other courts have departed from this percentage and has established 15% the highest, 10%. And very recently, we've seen an interesting ruling in the context of this uh, track cartel, which was rendered in April 2021. Mm -hmm. This decision has upheld the expert report submitted by the defendant, which concluded that there was no extra cost and has dismissed the plaintiff, the plaintiff report, considering that it was not convincing or robust. In other words, in the words of the court, the report does not exceed the jurisprudence standard required of the plaintiff expert opinion. Interesting. You know, let's stay with the truck cartel just for another moment. What else made this case so noteworthy and complex, Antonia? Well, we think that despite the multiple cases of damages claims that have been heard in Spain, none has been more outstanding than the truck cartel. Mm-hmm. And the impact of the truck cartel has resulted in more than 180,000 claims filed in Spain. Wow. And the number of trucks affected by the cartel is estimated at 360,000, according to the Spanish Confederation of Free Transport. The complexity surrounding the quantification of the damage is probably one of the most relevant and controversial issues of this case. And furthermore, the lack of information available for the plaintiff to exercise a follow-on action for compensation stands as an important challenge in the decision of this type of procedures. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's go back to Ramundo for a second. We can start to wrap up this conversation a little bit with some information on another prominent case. Ramundo, tell us about the paper envelope cartel and what made that significant. Yes, I mentioned this case at the beginning of the podcast. In March 2013, the antitrust agency sanctioned several paper envelope manufacturers for their participation in a price-fixing, bid-reading, and market-sharing cartel that took place in Spain between the 17th and 2010th. Several affected consumers sued cartel participants before the commercial courts of Madrid and Barcelona requesting compensation for damages. In June 2018, the first three judgments were rendered, two in Madrid and one in Barcelona. And this is interesting because despite the claims and their expert reports were substantially the same, the courts arrived to contradictory conclusions. The Madrid courts ruled in favor of the defendant, and the Barcelona court ruled in favor of the plaintiffs. Antonio just discussed briefly a few minutes ago about this. The ruling handed out by the Barcelona Commercial Court, inspired by the sugar cartel doctrine, states that in cartel, the presumption of damage is valid and allows the judge to reverse the burden of the proof against the cartelist. Provided, and this is very important, that the plaintiffs present before the court a feasible and reasonable calculation of damages through what we call hypothetical counterfactual scenario. What is this? Mm. Well, it's an analysis made by economists of a market in which there would not have been a cartel. Such doctrine results in a variation of the burden of proof, being now the burden of the members of the cartel to demonstrate that their competitive practice did not cause a damage to the plaintiff in that particular scenario. Moreover, 
is not sufficient to argue that the plaintiff's economic report is not feasible and reasonable. The approach of the judgment of the Madrid Commercial Court differs slightly from that of the Barcelona judgment. This seems to be due to the use of the same expert report analyzing an hypothetical counterfactual scenario, but based on price fixings, when the conduct affecting the Madrid plaintiffs had to do with market sharing. And in Madrid, the judgment states very clear when dismissing the expert report that in a market sharing conduct, there is no agreement on the level of prices to be charged mm -hmm. to end consumers. Therefore, since the claimant did not demonstrate a market sharing conduct because he was focusing on another topic, the court found that the expert report was insufficient to award damages. Very good. Very good. This has been a great discussion, covered a lot of content in a short amount of time. So thank you so much for being here. Let's wrap up with this though. Ramundo, is there any last information you'd like to share about the current situation in Spain relating to private antitrust litigation? Any key takeaway you'd like to leave our listeners with? Yes, David. Something we'd like to add about the current situation in Spain relating to private antitrust litigation is that we are seeing more and more innovation in the strategies of both claimants and defendants. And this will test whether the actual system we have in Spain works or needs some tricks. Real good, real good. Ramundo, thank you so much for being here. Antonio, thank you as well. Uh, great discussion. This is the sixth in this series of Private Antitrust Litigation Jones Day Talks podcast. And it's going to be a great addition. It's a great series. So thank you so much for helping out on this. It was a great program and great talking with you both today. Thank you, David. It was a pleasure. Thank you, David. Jones Day Talks Private Antitrust Litigation in Spain was part of our continuing series of podcasts on private antitrust litigation in Europe. Watch for more to come, including a global roundtable program that will include lawyers representing numerous jurisdictions. You can find complete bios and contact information for Amundo and Antonio at jonesday.com. And while you're there, be sure to visit our Insights page. It's updated constantly with more podcasts, videos, publications, newsletters, blogs, and other useful content. Subscribe to Jones Day Talks at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Jones Day Talks is produced by Tom Condolis. As always, we thank you for listening. I'm Dave Dalton. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to Jones Day Talks. Comments heard on Jones Day Talks should not be construed as legal advice regarding any specific facts or circumstances. The opinions expressed on Jones Day Talks are those of lawyers appearing on the program and do not necessarily reflect those of the firm. For more information, please visit jonesday.com.